just a reminder that due to adult content, today's message is rated PG. If you're concerned for your children, we'd love for you to take them to Lighthouse Kids right now. He existed before there were clocks to watch. Before the earth knew to revolve around the sun, he intended our lives to revolve around the sun. His concept of time is beyond anything our minds can imagine. In our reality, there is no rewind, no do-over. We don't know whether there will be a next time, another try, or a second chance, which is why we have to count time as a precious gift, an amazing blessing that we get to coexist with the one who invented it. He has our every minute recorded before we arrive, before our parents look into our eyes. From beginning to end, he knows our whole timeline. Without him, I am a watch without face, a clock without hands, an hourglass whose sands just weren't able to last long enough, a vapor, a breath, a finite mind attempting to guess at infinity. Sometimes I feel like time is passing me by, that hours turn into days and I can't seem to control which way I'm going. Is it that I never have enough free time or is it that I don't take the time to be free? Why would a God so great invest his seconds on me. So I ask him to help me to place my hours at his feet, surrender my every moment because he knows better than me what's best for me. Only he has eyes to see from history to eternity. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to First Light, South Portland Church. Today we're continuing in this November series that we've been looking at called Time, where we've been saying that essentially how we spend our time is really, really important because we are the sum total of the choices that we make with our time in this life. Who we are today is a direct result of the choices that we've made throughout our lives in the past. And while we can't change the past, the really exciting news, the good news is the decisions that we make today moving forward can change our future. So in a very real sense, our choices with our time each and every day matter. And so in this series, we've kind of been unpacking three big choices that many of us make every day. Last week, um, we started this series, and if you missed it, you can jump on YouTube and, and you, can, you can check it out. But last week, we, we looked at the choice between control versus surrender with our time. Control versus surrender. And we said we can go through life literally going crazy, trying to control every single aspect of life. We can also drive people away who love us, and we can make them miserable as we try to control everything. Or, or we can decide not to sweat the small things in life. We can try to leverage and give our best effort in the things we actually do have some control over, and we can ultimately surrender things out of our control through prayer and petition, to the one who does ultimately have control over everything, God. Next week, we're going to wrap up this series by looking at all the things in life that try to grab our time and our attention. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do this. Next week, we're going to talk about choosing the things that are most important over the things that just seem urgent. But today, I want to start our message by sharing a very important truth with you. So are you guys ready for it? You prepared? Ready to write it down? Here it is. Here's our big truth for today. You're going to experience a lot of pain in this life. Welcome to First Light Church, where our goal each week is to give you an uplifting word. 
and encourage you at the start of your week. Amen? But it's true. In this life, we are all going to experience pain. And the reality is a lot of pain that we experience is going to be outside of our control. Jesus himself said this in John 16, He said, in this world, you will have trouble. A lot of times, it's not your fault. It's a freak accident. Somebody you love gets sick, passes away. Your company downsizes, and now you're looking for another job. You know, your kid comes home one day with a cute little kitten. And they don't realize that one day that cute little kitten will turn into an evil cat. Okay? For those of you who might be new here, I make a lot of cat jokes because I'm deathly allergic to cats. And cats know it. They rub up on me. They jump in my lap when I come over to your house. They try to kill me. But a lot of pain will happen in this life beyond our control. The reality, though, is that some pain that comes in life is actually in our control. In other words, you will have a choice at times in life between one pain or another. You can choose your pain. Think of it this way. If you're a student here, where are all my students at? A lot of you guys are in the balcony up there too, okay? All of our students. You can choose the pain of doing your homework and studying for an exam, or you can experience the pain of failing a class. Okay? You can choose the pain of obeying your parents when they ask you to do something, or you can face the pain of the consequences for not doing it. And to that, all the parents said, amen, right? When it comes to finances, you can choose the pain of living within your means today, or you can choose the pain of battling a ton of debt and financial struggles tomorrow. So what I want to do today is I want to talk about choosing a certain type of pain. Today, here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about choosing the pain of discipline with our time over the pain of regrets. Choosing the pain of discipline with our time over the pain of regrets. And see, again, we can all have different types of pain, but if we're going to be wise with how we use our time in this life, it would be very bright, it would be very wise to choose the pain of discipline over the pain of regret. If you're taking notes, let's get a working definition of the word discipline, because I think the word discipline gets a bad rap sometimes. So if we're going to define it, we're going to define it this way today. Discipline is this. Discipline is choosing what you want most over what you want now. Discipline is looking at the long game. It's choosing what you want most over what you want now. What is discipline? What you want most, long game, over what you want now, immediate. Now, in order to unpack this truth today, we're going to look at the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7. So if you have your Bible or Bible app on your smartphone, go ahead. You can go to Romans chapter 7 and just hang out. We're going to get there in a second. And if you're new to church, you may not know much about this guy named the Apostle Paul. And so let me just give you a little context. This was a guy who started out hunting and killing Christians, okay? But then he has this supernatural encounter with the risen Jesus. He's like blinded. He hears the voice of the risen Jesus. And ultimately, he is converted to Christianity. And he winds up becoming one of the, the biggest 
kind of church planters, evangelists in the early church. He plants a ton of churches all around the Mediterranean rim. And much of what we currently have in our Bible in the New Testament was written by the Apostle Paul. It's the letters that he sent out to these churches. If anybody had a spiritual edge, Paul had it. If there's anybody who should have been able to get it right, it was Paul. But in our Bible, in his letter to the Roman church, in Romans chapter 7, Paul shared how difficult it was for him to do the right things in life. And I'll be honest, kind of reading about him talking about his struggles, it sometimes makes me feel better about myself because I often mess up. And so this is what he says in Romans 7.15, and he almost sounds like he's having a mental health breakdown or he's, he's you know, a little bit, um, you know, going a little bit crazy when he writes this. This is what he says in Romans 7.15. He says, I don't really understand myself, for I, I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Now, how many of you have ever felt like that before? How many of you have ever, like, been on a diet, Right? And, and then you saw some cake or some pizza, and five minutes later, you were like, I can't believe I ate the whole thing. Like, not a slice. Like, I just ate the whole flipping thing. I want to do what's right, but I can't. Paul says, I want to do what's good, but I don't. And then he says, oh, what a miserable person I am. Have you ever felt like that? Raise your hand if you ever felt like that. Oh, what a miserable person I am. I want to do what's right. I keep messing up. I keep not doing what's right. And he goes on and on in this passage. And it sounds like it's just hopeless and darkness and despair. What's going to happen? I don't want to do what's wrong. I end up doing what's wrong anyway. Who could possibly help me? And then at the end of this passage, all of a sudden, his tone changes. It just flips and here's what it says in verse 24 and 25. He says, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? And then he flips, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. He says, the answer is Jesus Christ our Lord. I want to do what's right. I can't do it. I'm often ashamed that I don't get it right. I feel so down on myself. I want to beat myself up. I'm so embarrassed. Who can ever help me? And then he answers his own question by saying, thanks be to God. The answer is not in me. The answer is not me just working harder and being better and being stronger. The answer is in Jesus Christ, my Lord. And this is the key, church, to the whole message today, that on our own, we are prone to make the wrong choice. But with the help of Jesus and through the power of his Holy Spirit in us, he can enable us to choose with our time not what we want right now, but what we really want the most. With the help of Jesus, we can choose discipline with our time over regret. So I want to let Paul take us on a journey to do this because it's really amazing to watch his growth as he learns as a person to tap into the power of Jesus and to live a more disciplined life. This guy that said, I can't get it right. I always screw up. I always mess up. Watch how he starts to progress in his life. In 1 Corinthians 9.24, he uses this beautiful imagery of a race. 
And he says this in 1 Corinthians 9. He says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. What does Paul say? He says, run a race to win it. For those of you who are athletes here, you kind of get this. When you're running, don't go for second place. When you're training, when you're competing, you run to win. I love that. It fires me up, and I'll tell you why. Our leadership here at First Light, we invest in leadership development. And one of the tools that we use, and if you don't kind of use this maybe in your workplace, you, you might want to consider it, especially if you're in a, in a position where you can make some leadership decisions. But it's a tool that's called Strength Finders. In fact, I've been doing my, my graduate research towards my PhD on this leadership development tool. And according to psychological research, there are 34 different core personality strengths found in human beings. So what we do with our leaders, with our, our staff team here, with our leadership board, is we've kind of gone through and helped identify the five top strengths in our leaders. Strengths like empathy, positivity, woo, which stands for winning others over, maximizers, who like to take something that's here and take it to the next level up here, ideation, idea generators, and on and on and on. But my top three strengths personally are futuristic, strategic, and achiever. I'm always looking ahead at the goal, planning a strategy on how to get there, and then trying to work towards it. My daughter, Liberty, she has competition as one of her top five. She refuses to lose. She hates to lose. Every year we do like a, um, a family Easter egg hunt um, at, at our house, and we, we plant little clues and everything, and then the golden egg is the ultimate prize. If she cannot beat her siblings in finding that golden egg, she is miserable. Like all year, she's still complaining that Lexi beat her last year and has like 100 excuses as to why it happened. She's not happy about it, okay? But I love that about her. She refuses to lose. And I think the apostle Paul might have had that competition strength too. He, he says, run to win. He says, no trophies for second place. Second place is just first loser. That's the same thing Jay says to me when he kicks my butt in a video game, right? Look at what Paul continues to say in verse 25. He said, Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. If you're going to win, what do you have to do? You have to choose what you want the most down the road instead of just what you want right now. If what I really want most is to be in great shape, then I have to sacrifice what I want now which is to order that meat lover's pizza from Papa John's, right? With the garlic dipping sauce. Praise God. You're with me right there, Jim. Don't get me started on the garlic dipping sauce. So I'll, I'll get Pentecostal speaking tongues this morning. Chris Miner, I think a couple months ago, sent me a thing on Facebook that Papa John's opened up in Portland. I gained 10 pounds looking at his post. It was not good. <laughs> but you have to choose what you want the most, over what you want now. I like that the root word for discipline is the same as the word for its disciple, right? Disciple and discipline. 
We are to be disciplined followers of Jesus. That's what a disciple is, a disciplined follower of Jesus. And Paul goes on to talk about athletes in Olympic training, saying they do it to win a prize that will fade away. Any of you guys who have kids involved in sports or things like that, you know, at the end of the year, if their team wins, they might get a small trophy, right, or a blue ribbon or something like that. If you're like an elite athlete, the ultimate in athletics, you go to the Olympics, you might win a gold medal, right? But it all fades away. Paul says, as followers of Jesus, we have our eye on an eternal prize that will never fade away. We're running to honor and glorify our Savior. And and I love that imagery that Paul's presenting. And then the author of Hebrews uses the same imagery as Paul, says it like this in Hebrews 12.1. says, let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. The author of Hebrews gets a little bit PG-13 and basically says, get naked and run. That's what he says. Get naked and run. That's what the ancient athletes did in Greece. It's kind of gross, but they would take all their clothes off. Nothing could slow them down. Nothing could hinder them. They ran naked, which gives another big reason to finish first, right? I don't know about you guys, but if I'm running with a bunch of naked dudes, I don't want to be in last place or even second. I want to be... First, so I don't go blind. Just saying, I'm a little weird. I read the Bible different than some folks. We're running to win. We're running to glorify our heavenly Father. If you're a follower of Jesus, you know, is that what your daily life looks like right now? When you come to church each week, do you come with a prayerful expectation? I'm coming today with excitement. I'm going to hear from God today. God, I'm coming today to, to hear from you. God, I'm believing that you're going to use me to impact a life today. God, I'm here with a purpose. I'm running to win. Because here's the deal. If you just show up to church like once a month or less, you know, you're you're a Christmas Eve, Easter kind of person. If you never read your Bible, if you never spend time in prayer, if you never connect to Christian community or part of a small group or use your talents to serve, it's going to be real, real easy for you to start to feel like God is silent in your life. You might even get prone to get mad at the church, say you're leaving. But when you come to church each week believing that God is going to speak to you, I can almost guarantee you that you will hear from him. You'll hear him in worship. You'll hear him as you start to attend a small group. You'll hear him as you start to serve. You'll hear him in your prayer life as you start to have an active prayer life. So as we kind of finish up today, I've got two application questions for you to think about. Question number one is this, if you're taking notes. Question number one is this. What do you want most? In life, what do you want most? And so what I want you to do today is I want you to think about what you want most in your life right now. And don't think of something dumb right now, like winning Powerball or Olivia Rodrigo tickets or, you know, marrying Hugh Jackman. I mean, Wolverine is a, is a fine-looking man, okay? But take this exercise seriously. What do you want most right now? Some of you, you want to get closer to God. Some of you want to get healthier, You want to lose 40 pounds by the summer. That's a realistic goal. You could probably do that. You want to quit smoking. 
You want to quit drinking. You want a better marriage. You want better relationships with your kids. Some of you, it's your finances. You want to pay off some credit cards. You want to get out of debt. But whatever it is, name what you want most. And if you've got, if you've got a list of things, start with, with one thing. What is the one thing that you want the most? And as you start finding victory in that one area, guess what? It's going to become easier by the power of God for you to find victory in the other areas that you're hoping for as well. So pick an area and write it down. Go ahead, do it right now. Pick an area, write it down. Pull out your phone. Ask somebody for a pen. I'm asking for action this morning, all right? Fake it, even if you have to just move your hand like this. Make a pastor feel better this morning, like you're taking action. Do something, okay? So if you have something in mind right now, Here's something that I really want. The second application question is then this. Question number two. What do you need to do now to achieve what you want most? If you know what you want most, what is the first step? What is an action step that you can take? What do you need to do now to move towards achieving what it is that you want the most? And it's simple. You're smart people. You can figure this out. If you'd say, I really want to be closer to God, that's something I really need in my life right now. What do you need to do? Maybe you need to say, hey, I'm going to start praying every morning. When I get up in the morning and I'm having my cup of coffee, I'm going to set aside time. And I'm going to start a habit of praying each day to start my day. I need to come to church more regularly. I've been sporadic. I'm going to start making a commitment. It's not going to be an option anymore. It's going to be a priority to come to church each week. I'm going to join a small group. I need more Christian community in my life. That's something I'm going to commit to do. If you're to say, I want to lose 40 pounds by July, five pounds a month, doable goal. 90% of it is probably going to be your diet. That's probably going to be 90% of it. You stop drinking soda. You're going to make a decision to drink water. You lower your carbs and your sugar. You eat more veggies. Why? Because you're not going to settle for what you want right now. You're going to use your time for moving forward towards what you want most in life. You want a great marriage? What are you going to do? It's not rocket science. It might mean the two of you start praying together, having regular time for communication, setting aside some time every day. What's the high point and low point of your day? Let's talk. Let's take 15 minutes. Let's take 30 minutes to keep our communication going. You prioritize a date night at least twice a month. You make time for each other. You might have to pursue some counseling. If you're hitting a rough patch, if you're struggling in some areas where you think we need some outside help, you take the step to pursue some counseling. It might mean you have to tell your kids, if you have children, hey, kids, this weekend... Dad and I are going on an NIB conference. Kids, you're going to grandma's house for the weekend. Because dad and I, we got this NIB conference. What's an NIB conference? Stands for naked in bed. All weekend long. And to that, all the married people said? <laughs> married people, God wants you to have that, by the way. Okay? You can thank me later. Hashtag I love my pastor. 
Some of you are offended that I said that in church. Hashtag, I don't give a rip. We as a church need to stop portraying sex as a bad and terrible thing. In the construct of marriage for which it was designed, it is a beautiful thing. It is an incredible gift from God that nurtures health and passion and romance and intimacy in a relationship. Married people, if you want a great marriage, you need to prioritize it. And you need to prioritize time for each other. You need to invest the time. Some of you are going to say, Pastor, change is hard. Yup, it is. Pastor, that's going to take some work. Yup, you're right. Praying together feels awkward. Going to counseling is expensive. Navigating childcare so we can have a date night or go away for a weekend is hard. Yeah. Choose your pain. Choose your pain. Seriously, choose your pain. You can choose the pain of discipline or you can experience the pain of regret. So what do you want most? And what do you need to do now to get there? Paul continues to guide us in 1 Corinthians 9, 26 and 27, and he says this. He says, therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer just beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and I make it a slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Church, I'm an incredibly undisciplined person. I like junk food. I like to sleep in. If my kids are fighting and I'm taking a nap, I don't want to break it up. I want to give them boxing gloves and tell them to let me know who won later, okay? I can be incredibly undisciplined. That's why I need to run with purpose every step. I have to say, Jesus, I need you here and now, in this moment, what I hope you'll understand is there's a never, never been a moment in my life that I don't need Jesus. I need him all the time. Without him, I'm like Paul said, I want to do what's right, but I, I choose to do what's wrong. I need Jesus every moment of every day. I need his power. I need his strength. I need him with me when I'm weak. I need accountability in my life. I need people to pray for me and support me and my family so I can keep running the race. As disciples of Jesus, we are called to be disciplined with our time and choose what we want the most over just what we want now. Let me give you an example of how this plays out. Um, I, I don't eat donuts. Not because I don't like them. I love donuts. Boston cream, double chocolate, even those munchkin things. Like, I, I can pound away donuts. I don't eat donuts anymore. Why? Because I don't want to walk down that path. Because I know once I start, I want more and more and more and more, and it's difficult for me to stop, and then I crave them. But more than what I want now in a donut, I want what I want most. I want to honor God with a healthy body. I want to have the physical strength to be around for my family and be healthy for a long time. 
I want the donut now. It looks delicious. But I'm going to choose discipline with my time to get what I truly want the most. And every time I say no to a donut, I'm actually creating new neural pathways in my brain, which is awesome. So the next time I have to face that temptation, it's actually easier for me to resist it. The same thing can go with how you tackle school or investing in your marriage or how you approach your finances. Pick what you want the most over what you want right now. And let me just be real with you. Is it, is it okay for your pastor to be real and transparent with you this morning? Is that okay? Long before I was your pastor, I used to be a person. Freaks people out, but it's true. Used to have temptations. Now I float on air and there's holiness all around. Just joking. Okay, still a person. As much as this might freak you out, I'm still vulnerable to things. I'm still vulnerable to temptations. I'm a human being. I'm a man. I'm on a treadmill at the gym. A woman jumps in front of me on a stair climber in spandex dental floss. In my sinful lust, I want to look. It'd be easy to do. But what happens if I would stop and say, you know what? I want to honor my God. I want to honor my wife, Julie. So I'm going to choose to walk away from this treadmill and go somewhere else. I'm going to leave this situation and this temptation. All the other guys in the gym might be saying, what are you talking about? Everybody looks. It's no big deal. But you know what? I want to choose what I want most over what I just want right now. You know what, church? The more I do that day after day after day, the more I'm going to start to transform and I'm going to start to think with the mind of Christ. And Christ in me is stronger than anything. Stronger than anything. Paul said, hey, I want to do what's right, but I can't. Who can help me? Jesus Christ can. Christ in me helps me to choose discipline with my time over regrets. That's why I run the race. Now, here's what's really important. Don't miss this. What came to your mind when you just thought about what you wanted most in life? What came to your mind? Could you picture something? Now think about this. What do you need to start choosing to do now to get there? What do you need to start choosing now? Because here's the thing. If you don't do something now, if you walk out of here this morning, this Sunday, and you go back to life as usual, you leave here unchanged, that decision will very likely become your greatest future regret. Let that sink in. If you do not do now something to start moving to what you want most, that will very likely become your greatest regret in life. And I, for one, refuse to live with regrets. I will not be the father who says, I'll give anything to go back in time to spend more time with my kids and have a better relationship with them. But I was too busy and I missed it. I will not be the husband who says, if only I had checked my lust, I wouldn't have lost my marriage. I won't be that guy. I refuse to be the one who lives with those kinds of regrets. So how are you using your time? My challenge to you today 
is choose discipline over regrets. Can we pray this morning, church? Heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would do a life-changing work in our hearts. How many of you right now would say there might be some things in your life that you need to change, that, that you want what you want most over what you want just right now? If that's you, would you just raise a hand? Say, there are some things in life I want most. Praise God. Praise God. All around the room, so many hands today. God, I thank you for the courage of these men and women this morning to say, God, there's something that I really do want the most. And so I refuse to be the one who lives with a ton of regrets later in life. God, help us to be disciplined now to achieve and experience what we want most in life. God, we need your help. Transform our minds. Renew our minds. Create new ways of thinking. Conform us into the image of your son, Jesus. We want to be disciplined disciples of Jesus. Give us the wisdom to know what to do with what we've heard this morning. And then God, give us the courage to take action, to make a change, to make a course correction, and to do something about it. Help us run the race to win. So we keep praying this morning. There, there are some of you, and if you looked at your life right now and you're honest, you'd say you're kind of frustrated. You've tried your best to do what's right, but you still seem to get things wrong. And you can really relate to Paul. When I try not to do wrong, I still mess up. Who can help me? Here's the problem. The truth is, we're all sinners. We are all imperfect, sinful people. There are no perfect people here at church today. You never have to give a child sin lessons and teach them to say mine. We are naturally selfish beings. And no matter how hard you try to get it right on your own, it's impossible because we're all bent towards sin. That's why the grace of God is so amazing. And that's why the story of Jesus is called the good news. That God so loves you that he sent Jesus, who was without sin, to pay the price for all of our sins on the cross. That he willingly died for us and he rose again. Why? Scripture says, so anyone, anyone who calls on him will be saved, will be forgiven, and will be made new. No matter what you've done, no matter how dark your life is or how dark your past has been, no matter how messed up you think you are, when you call on him, he hears your prayers, he forgives you, and he promises to make you new. There are some of you with us today who need to say, Jesus, today I want to give my life to you. I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. I'm tired of doing it on my own. I need you in my life. Take my life. Make me new. That's my prayer. So if that's you today, if God is speaking to your heart today, would you just lift a hand high right now? Just have five seconds of courage and say, Pastor, that's me. I need Jesus in my life today. Praise God. I see that. 
I see one of our students. I see somebody else, another one of our adults. Anybody else this morning? I see that as well. On, our, on the side, see that? Praise God. I'll ask one more time. I see in the back as well. I believe it's the greatest decision anybody can make in their entire life. Is there anybody else this morning? I believe you're here for a purpose this morning. If your heart's beating out of your chest right now, and you need to say, that's me, I need Jesus, just be bold and lift up a hand. Praise God. Church, let, let's pray together. Let's pray for these, these brothers, these sisters, and even one of our teenagers this morning as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I give you my life. Jesus, save me from my sins. Make me new. Fill me with your spirit so I can be yours, your disciple, disciplined and following you. God, I want to use my time in this life with a purpose. Every step, reaching for the things that matter the things I want the most and that you want the most for me, not the temptations that I just want right now. So today, Sunday, November 19th, 2023, I give you my life. I give it completely to you. Thank you for loving me, God, and meeting me right where I am. Thank you for Jesus and his sacrifice for me. Thank you for new life in you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Can we celebrate some decisions this morning, church? Praise God. Praise God. Again, I pray that never gets old here. If you made a decision of faith today, please don't keep it a secret. Um, you know, let your parents know. Let someone who brought you know. Let us know on a response card. Come talk to me or Pastor Ken who will be in the back at the end of service. We would love to hear that, that story from you because this is really the first step on an incredible adventure with God that's going to go into eternity. Let's stand together. We'll continue to sing and celebrate what God is doing.
Heavenly Father, we praise you today. We give you all the honor and glory. You are a great God. You are not a distant, detached, uncaring God. You are a personal God who cares, who knows, knows our every need. And Father God, you know our greatest need, and you did something about it. You sent your son into this world to save us and to restore us so that we could live in a personal love relationship with you, the king of the universe, that we could be called sons and daughters of the king forever. What an amazing God you are. Father, I pray blessings upon your people today. God, I pray that you again give us wisdom to know what to do with what we've heard from this incredible teaching from the Apostle Paul, the author of Hebrews. God, may we be a people who take action. May we remember that changed people change. And so we can take your word and actually apply it into our lives so that we can move from the smaller story we're living in to the greater story, the greater future that you have planned for us. God, we love you. We want to choose to be disciplined with our time. We want what matters most in life instead of what we just want right now. Help us to be able to seek that, to have the wisdom to do that and the courage to make the changes necessary. We love you and we give you all the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you guys. Hope you have a fantastic week. Can't wait to see you back next week as we wrap up part three in this series, Time.